Well, hello there. Welcome back to Causey's Conversations. I'm your host, Jared Causey. I'm glad you are tuning in today. Um, hope everyone is doing well. Um, just a, a quick reminder, um, if you have not listened to the other episodes, feel free to do that um, if you desire to. There's, there's several different topics there that I've, I've went over and, and I've had guests on and discussed. Um, so there, there are plenty of different topics. Uh, if you if you would prefer just to, to listen to all of them, that's great. But if you just want to kind of nitpick and, and go to different one, random ones that you, you would want to, that's, that's fine too. So, uh, but uh, much appreciated. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, today I have a very special guest uh, with me today, Aaron Scarborough. He's the pastor of Graceview Baptist Church. He's also my pastor. So it's really exciting to get, to get Aaron on today. Uh, kind of had all my pastors on now. So it's uh, pretty cool. So Aaron, how you doing, man? Doing well. How are you? Doing well. I'm doing well. And he's all mic'd up. He has all the fancy gear. That's right. That's right. If you're going to do it, do it right. That's my motto. And I could tell like the, the sound quality is excellent. <laughs> he also has books behind him looking. It's true. I even have my bobblehead of John Calvin behind me <laughs> on the shelf right there. I don't know why you have that heretic there. That's getting <laughs> 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 anyway. He watches yeah. over my shoulder as I write my sermon. Yeah. <laughs> He'd probably burn you at the stake, though, to be honest, with all that baptism stuff. You that's know? true. <laughs> you have a bottle of it. I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty funny. But anyway, um, glad Aaron's on. Glad, glad you're on. Um, you know, it's been kind of a weird, I guess, two or three months. I mean, we, I've only seen you maybe once or twice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I mean, we've only gathered twice, I think, mm -hmm. as a church. And, yeah. It's been, uh, it's been tough, but, um, things have been going well though for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the situation is, is definitely pastors don't, don't, they don't take a seminary class about the pandemic, pandemic one-on-one. No. Uh, so, you know, just, there's, there's a lot of room for grace here for sure. Cause a lot of decisions that are made, you just, you've never planned for this. So, no. um, but, uh, I know, I know Gracie is doing, doing well and we're going to continue to, to minister together so it's absolutely been exciting um but aaron why don't you uh go ahead first off um maybe share with the listeners a little bit about who you are kind of where you came from i know you're not from texas so i'm not uh, you're you're from the land of in and out i am i am <laughs> so uh if you would you want to share a little bit about where you're from you know where you know where god is taking you on this journey and how you've arrived at grace view yeah definitely um just to kind of start where I'm at and then work backwards uh, for a second. I'm married. Uh, Paige and I have been married. It will be uh, 27 years this September. Um, we have five children, Jordan, who is married, and um, her and her husband live in Keene, Texas. Um, our son, Brett, and his wife, Allison, um, they just graduated from college and literally just moved back two days ago. Um, and so we're excited to have them home. Then we have Hayden, who will be a junior next year, and Luke and Jake, who will be sixth graders next year. So five kids total. Um, and it's always been a, 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 just a crazy ride with kids, but, but God's been good. Um, I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad was a pastor. Um, and so anytime the church doors were open, we were there. Um, that was back when you did, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Um, you know, you had uh, potlucks constantly. Uh, the church was just, it was such a focal point in our family because my dad was the pastor. Um, I just constantly thought 
of church as just the normal part of being um, in a family. Uh, so I grew up with that. Um, I heard the gospel preached over and over and over again, uh, but it wasn't until I was nine years old that I actually heard the gospel for the first time. Um, it was on a Sunday night service. Uh, I can't remember exactly what dad said. Um, I just know this. I knew at that point I was a sinner and I knew that Jesus um, was the only way that my sins would be forgiven and that I needed to repent of my sins and believe in the gospel. Now I didn't go down front. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even tell my parents. I went home and on the top bunk of my bunk bed that night after service, I prayed um, and uh, confessed that I was a sinner as best as I could as a nine-year-old and uh, trust in Christ as my savior. Um, I went downstairs afterwards and told mom and dad, Hey, I just got saved. And you know, they kind of like, what, what just happened here? And we kind of talked through it a little bit. Um, but God was, God moved. And I know that there was a change in my life, even though I was young, even though I didn't understand it all, I knew that God did something in that moment. Um, because I had a realization of the truth of the gospel that I didn't have before. So we lived life, we did our thing. Um, and then at the age of 13, uh, we were at family camp. And this was something that our family did every year. We were a big go to camp family. I went to kids camp, I went to youth camp. You know, I, when I was a teenager, I was an assistant at kids camp. I mean, I was at camp constantly during the summertime. And one of the things we did was we went to family camp as well. And uh, we went to family camp and one night um, the pastor was preaching, the camp pastor was preaching. And I don't remember much, but I remember this. He said, um, are you willing to lay your sword down and trade it for a crown? And he was using the illustration that so often Christians um, don't understand their position with Christ and said, we just fight a battle. And looking back on that now, I think, well, how in the world did I get called to ministry out of that sermon? I really don't know. And it's the same type of thing as my salvation experience was God did something in me in that service that changed me. Um, we were standing there. This was, you know, they did the altar call and all that kind of thing. And I didn't go down again. I just stood there in the aisle and I cried and I wept and I didn't know what I was crying over. I didn't know what I was, what I was emotional about. Um, in fact, my mom came up to me afterwards and hugged me and she goes, what's the matter? Are you okay? And I just said, I don't know. And so at 13 years old, I walked out of the sanctuary and just like every 13 year old would do, I went to the playground and I sat on um, a swing and I just told God, I don't know what you're trying to tell me, but I want to know. Right. And Acts 1-8 came to my mind. And you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right. And it was in that moment that God very clearly called me to ministry through his word. I didn't know what that was going to look like. I didn't, I didn't know how that would flesh out, but I knew this. At 13 years old, my future was decided. Um, so we went through life, and uh, 
My dad, as I said, he was a pastor. He pastored in Petaluma, which is north of San Francisco, all through that stage of life. And in the middle of my freshman year, we moved to Bishop, California, which is in the Eastern Sierras. And um, we moved there. We went from big metropolitan type of thing to small town ranchers, you know, it takes five minutes to get anywhere type of type of community. Um, it was there that um, I met Paige in high school. Um, I was a, the end of my sophomore year, the, the end of her freshman year, uh, we met. Uh, I played football. She was a cheerleader. It was kind of one of those like, you yeah. know, all American romances type thing. I'm going to make a Christian, um, I guess a, one of those, what is it called? Um, Facing the Giants. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that. Um, you know, it wasn't that at all. Uh, I just, I'll be just completely honest. Uh, yeah. my, my sinful heart was, uh, was on exposure uh, when, I was, when I was in high school. Um, I knew I was called. I knew I was following Jesus. I knew I was saved. But um, I didn't know how to battle the flesh well in that, in that time frame. And um, the end of my junior year, uh, we found out Paige was pregnant with our daughter, Jordan. And um, my dad stood up before the church and offered his resignation while I'm sitting there in the sanctuary. Paige is sitting there in the sanctuary. And a man from the church stood up and said, we do not accept your resignation. Right. They said, you have not been disqualified you have led your family well he goes we all have sin struggles and your son had one but we trust that he's going to we trust that god's going to work in his life and it was there in that moment that i learned two things i learned one sin is serious and two god's grace is enough and it walked me through a season where i had to admit a lot of things Um, but I remember my dad told me during that time period, he said, you played adult games. Now it's time to be an adult. And, um, we went back and forth on what should happen. Um, we never considered abortion, but we did talk about adoption. We did talk about different options. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, we knew that God wanted us to keep Jordan. And we knew that what would be best is for us to be married. And so September of my senior year, 1993, we got married and I was married my senior year in high school. Um, Jordan was born in January of my senior year in high school and uh, we graduated. I graduated high school and we went to college. And at that time I was still trying to figure out what my calling was. And I was also trying to figure out how to be a husband and I was trying to figure out how to be a dad and there was just a lot of things going on at that time. Um, and so I decided without much leaning on direction from God that my full-time ministry was that I was going to be a Christian radio DJ and that was going to be my full-time calling. Hey, I'm looking at you now and you look like one. Yeah. Well, I had a, I had a radio show in college. I did all of that. Um, and I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Um, in fact, being able to do these podcasts allows me kind of to slip back into that sometimes and, and, right. and remember that experience. But uh, 
I just wanted to, I, I thought this would be a good way for me to take my talents and abilities and still kind of fit it into that ministry model. Um, and God basically said, yeah, that's, that's not what's going on here. Did it, not, and it didn't work out. Like, didn't work out well. Um, didn't work out well. We had, um, because of some changes in the school's policies and different things, we had financial aid that changed and basically we had to move back home and we moved back home to Bishop. And, um, after a couple years of working multiple jobs and that kind of thing, my in-laws, uh, moved out to Texas because he was an engineer and that had kind of dried up in California, but Texas was booming at the time. And so we moved out, um, in 98, um, after they had been out here a little bit and started working, I started working kind of part-time at, at a church, um, doing different things, um, sound, lighting, video, that kind of stuff. Um, I worked in sales doing industrial plastics, um, large accounts all over the United States and worldwide. Um, but then in 2004, God said, hey, remember all that stuff you learned when you were in college? I'm not going to waste that. And I got hired on at a church um, to be the quote-unquote production pastor. Now, looking back at that, um, <laughs> I regret that title uh, just because I have some yeah. – I'm a little more – I've learned a little, a few things since then. Um, you know, but I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't doing much pastoring. I was, you know, I was doing a lot of technical things but not pastoring. Right. Um, so we went – I did that for a while. And then God really started to break me. And he said, you know, I called you to, to ministry. And so I started looking for ministry jobs. And some things transpired at that church to where the, the pastor that had been there for 25 years uh, retired. The, the youth pastor moved up and they asked me to take the youth pastor position. Um, so I took the youth pastor position. Um, after a, a few years, I wound up being the associate pastor. And uh, the church went through some really difficult things. Um, and I was basically the only full-time staff pastor left. Um, and we wound up saying, we're going to bring in an interim. An interim came in and he just counseled us to say, let's start over. And um, so fast forward to October, 2011, I am in Oxford, England, doing a theology intensive over there. And I get a phone call from my wife saying, that the pastor um, was had a medical episode in the pulpit, oh, wow. and um, so I got on my logos and got a hold of Landon, who's our associate, who's our executive pastor. Now, back then, he was the very, very part-time children's guy. Yeah. Um, he had never preached to adults ever, um, and uh, I was on my logos with Facebook messenger open and we were literally writing his sermon that he was going to preach the following Sunday, um, oh. across the Atlantic. Wow. Yeah. And so we, um, went through that. I came back, uh, the elders asked me to preach, uh, to take over the preaching responsibilities until, uh, the pastor was able to be back. Um, sadly, um, we found out a month later he was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. Mm. And so, Myself and Landon had to basically pick up all the pieces and start Graceview um, from scratch by ourselves. 
And while we were starting Graceview, we were ministering to this pastor and his family and walking him through chemo treatments and everything else. Um, and we launched Graceview October of 2011. And uh, in November we, of 2011, we buried our pastor. Mm -hmm. And so Graceview didn't start um, like a lot of church relaunches or plants start. You know, we're going we're gonna to reach our community for Jesus. That, that wasn't it. It was we are grieving, we are hurting, and we need to come together. But I believe the beginning of Graceview, because it started like that, set us up to be a very uh, healthy church in a lot of ways, because we understood um, what unity and togetherness and fellowship and bearing with one another um, really means. Um, we learned that ministry isn't microwavable. We learned that ministry is is long term, and you play the long game in ministry. And um, it set us up to be able to be here now, uh, nine years later, to be able to say, God's done some amazing things in our church. He took us from a handful of people, you know, eighty people with kids, to a church that uh, on average was between 460 and 500 people every weekend. I'm not saying those numbers to, to brag. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying those numbers to say this, the Graceview success has absolutely no explanation except the grace of God. And uh, it's just been a joy to be able to, to do that. And so uh, we buried Charles in 2011, March of 2012. Um, a man in the church wrote a letter to the elders saying Aaron has been faithful. He's exhibited the gifts of the pastor. Um, I recommend that, that we call him as our pastor. And so I told the elders, I said, that's fine, but I want to go through the entire interview process, just like if you were looking for somebody else. And so they interviewed me, they interviewed my wife, they did all our, the background stuff. They did, they did all of it, the due diligence to be able to bring me in because I wanted them to know that, I took it seriously and it wasn't just something I was just trying to step into. Um, and I also gave them a lot of reasons to not hire me at that time. Um, but they, they were like, no, we, we want to, we want to do that. We believe you're the, we believe you're the guy. And so that's kind of how we, how we got to grace you. Um, it was a, it was a long journey uh, along the way. Like I said, Jordan, was young, but then we had Brett a few years later and then Hayden and Luke and Jake were along the way. And so, um, God's been good to us. Yeah. So that's kind of in a nutshell there to, there to now. I want to kind of go back to kind of when you, um, when your, when your dad went before the church and offered his resignation, mm -hmm. you know, at that point in time, you know, say they, the church accepted his resignation. Mm -hmm. You know, I just kind of wonder, I don't know if you have an answer to this, but you know, I kind of wonder what path you would have taken if that were to happen. I mean, I, I believe in the sovereignty of God. I'm yeah. not a Molinist or anything like right, that. Right, right. That's know, good. Like, just, you know, what if that is what have what it would have happened, you know, instead? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I know this. Uh, after that, my dad went through some other things that were – challenging in his ministry that that made me very hesitant about wanting to get into ministry right. um, if that would have been the case and I was the reason behind it um, I, I don't know 
I right. don't know. Now, like, like I said, it's looking back, looking back, I, I just see God's hand all over it. Right. Um, and I'm grateful for the, the way that it was handled. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I know a lot of pastors and a lot of kids who, who um, churches have damaged them greatly. Um, and there's a lot of pastors, kids who aren't involved in the church because of, you know, sinful actions. Um, not even theirs, just that they've been exposed to. And so I don't know how that would, how that would have worked, but I know it definitely would have had an effect. Right. Right. I mean, also like your, your dad, like his humility, like that's, I mean, that's gotta be, I, I, I rarely see situations handled like that from the father's perspective, like him going before the church and saying, and being honest and open about the sin, you know, like you just don't see that very often, I guess. Like maybe I just haven't seen enough, you know? Yeah, no, he, um, my dad's my hero. Right. I mean, bottom line, um, he and I don't agree theologically on everything. Um, we have fun conversations about it. We don't talk about our differences around our mom, my mom, <laughs> um, cause she doesn't like, she doesn't like those things, but, um, but he is. And one of the reasons he is my hero is because of that moment. Um, he was so committed to the Lord that he was going to do the right thing. But I also knew that he loved me. And I also knew that he loved Paige and, and that, that even if he lost his job at the church, um, that he still loved us. Um, and so that was a, that was a big deal in in my life. And, and I think that's a, it's a big reason why, um, I try to be gracious with people um, and people that aren't gracious kind of frustrate me sometimes because it's like, dude, chill out. It's, it's, it's going <laughs> to be okay. If you believe in the sovereignty of God, like you say you do, just, it's going to be okay. Let's get through this. Let's do it the right way. Um, and so I, that was a big turning point in my life that moment. Yeah. So as you went to, uh, when you moved to Texas to mm -hmm. God's country, that's right. Um, you know, how, you know, theologically, I guess, I mm -hmm. mean, obviously there's, there's probably a lot that God did in your life spiritually, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. specifically theologically, what, you mm -hmm. know, did you go through any changes specifically? Um, I'm not looking for anything in particular, but yeah. Yeah. I grew up, um, uh, like I said, my dad was a pastor. Um, I grew up in a church of the Nazarene, uh, Armenian background. Um, so that was my, that was my position, um, for a lot of years. When I moved to Texas, I started getting exposed to Baptist way of life. Um, and I kind of, I kind of pushed back a little bit here and there at things. And, uh, but honestly, I didn't have enough theological depth in me as a, you know, late teenager, early 20 guy to be able to really just say, um, yes, I believe this or no, I don't, uh, wholeheartedly. Um, but I started to learn and the, the way I started to learn was I just, I just said, I need to know the Bible. I just need to know it. Um, and so I started reading and I started reading, I started reading and some of the things that I believed, um, I realized, I don't think that's what the Bible says. Um, for instance, you know, I looked at um, John 3.16 and 
and I looked at Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and I looked at them and I said, how can I reconcile these things? They seem to be saying something different. Well, what I learned was if I, my, if my anchor verse was John three sixteen, then I really struggled with Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. But Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 was my anchor verse. John 3, 16, 17, and 18 made complete and total sense. They harmonized. The Bible wasn't in contradiction. And so that was, that was very much the moments that God started just kind of bringing me to an understanding of, of his word theologically. Um, I didn't know, you know, R.C. Sproul, John Piper, you know, any of those. I didn't, I didn't know those guys. Um, I just knew what the Bible said. And then when I started like hearing guys go saying things, I went, wait a second. That's, that's how I understand this. And I started just working through theologically a lot of that. Um, I didn't mention when I was, when I was uh, walking through the story, my story, I, I went to, uh, I went to Criswell college, graduated from Criswell college with my, um, with my theology degree there. Um, and at Criswell, I was really just kind of affirmed on a lot of things that God had already been doing. Um, so yeah, I went from, I went from, well, full blown Arminian to a five point Calvinist. Um, Wait that. <laughs> I, I am. I, I am. I mean, I, now I'll say this, when you listen to my preaching, I'm not standing up and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm preaching the gospel. Um, I'm not preaching Calvinism. Well, ironically, you say that Amy looked at me, I think, I forgot when it was a few months ago. And she's like, man, he sounds like a hyper Calvinist. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. That she, sounds like a headship issue in your home. That's oh what that sounds God. like. <laughs> uh, 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 I, she, you know, we, I definitely, I mean, from a member's perspective, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I, definitely since I, I agree with you on those things, I can tell what you believe. And I knew going into grace view, you know, I knew what you believe. So I, yeah. I could tell like the kind of the nuances in your sermon, I could tell what you were saying, but uh, yeah. you can't, I mean, if you don't, look for it or whatever, or no, like, I agree. Like you're just hearing the gospel mm-hmm. from a, you know, it's from a, a reform guy's perspective, but you don't know it, you know, right. you know, you're not really aware of that. So, but that's great. Yeah. I, I agree. I think that's how we should preach. I mean, mm-hmm. our goal is not to turn everyone to Calvinists. I mean, that's right. not the goal. Absolutely. I mean, that's a benefit, but. <laughs> well, and it's, and it really is. I mean, we're a Southern Baptist church. And so the Southern Baptists align under the BFNM 2000 and you know, we have members at Graceview who aren't five-point Calvinists. We have, we have a couple elders who aren't five-point Calvinists. Um, in fact, we have one elder who, who jokes about Calvinism constantly, uh, even though he agrees with the most of it theologically. He just doesn't like the terminology. Um, you know, and that's the, thing that, that's the thing that I love about our church is we want to be, we want to understand that if you disagree with us on some things, we can, we can talk about it and we can work through it. And, you know, if you come and you say, you know, Jesus isn't all God and all man, well, that's going to be a problem. Um, We're going to have, you know, that, that the Trinity is, is non-existent, you know, we're going to have some issues with that. Um, But if we disagree on some things, we're going to be able to, to work through those as long as we can live under that. And I think that's the issue that, that I, really strive for is 
making sure that no matter how old or young somebody is, no matter what their background is, what their racial, um, what race they are, what socioeconomics uh, status they come from, um, the gospel is what unites us. And so that needs to be the thing that we, we right. preach um, as the unifying factor in our church. And that's what we try to do, um, even right, though right. I'm yeah. reformed. <laughs> you got, yeah, I got to add that in there a lot. Yeah, uh, you know, that's a, a good point. You know, I was actually going to ask you this. Um, I, was, or I was thinking about it, and you, so you bringing that up kind of, kind of uh, is a good lead way in this conversation. But, you know, when elders, you know, or pastors or whatever disagree over an issue, how do you handle that, like, in a way that where you're not compromising on your beliefs, you, you know, you don't want to, mm-hmm. I guess, like, um, um, you don't want to offend your brother, you know, right. you don't want right. to offend their conscience. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to be gracious, but you also want to, be, you know, be truthful in what you, you know, you believe. So how do you work through those discrepancies there? Uh, wisdom and maturity are probably the two things that I would say that needs to be a massive um, part of the character of the elder board. Um if, if they're, and I think that scripture speaks to that, um, you know, it's why the young, the new believer does not need to be an elder um, because they don't have the spiritual maturity and they don't have the wisdom that comes along with just um, life in general. I think God gives a lot of wisdom um, from life experience um, and, and walking with the Lord for a while. Um, and so with our elders, when we, when we have disagreements, um, which doesn't happen very often, um, we table things and we pray and we come back to it. And sometimes we have to table it again and pray about it. Um, but eventually we come to a position to where even if we disagree, um, the decision that is made, everybody can say, I'm okay with this. And I think this is where God's leading. Um, Even if I don't necessarily think it's the best way to carry it out or that kind of thing, I think it's the best thing, but it might not be the best process. And that's usually the things that, that uh, are the disagreements over. Um, We've never had any elders uh, theologically cause um, fights, even if we, even if we disagree on something. Um, and I think that that comes a lot from just how the DNA of who Graceview is. Um, if it's not in the elder room, it's definitely not going to be in the, in the pews. Um, and we just strive to, to do what's best in that. And so we work through things, we pray, we have a lot of conversations and we, we search the scriptures because if somebody says, Hey, I don't think that's what scripture says. And I think this has only happened once in nine years. Um, we say, okay, let's, let's go to the book and let's work through this. And, and we do. And, um, sometimes, uh, I'll write theological position papers and bring that to the elders and say, this is kind of theologically where this lands. Sometimes I've written exegetical papers and bring it to the elders. Sometimes other guys have, have brought resources. Um, and so we, we just kind of work through it uh, as we go. Yeah. Our elders, 
our elders are not, this is one thing that I think sometimes frustrates um, some people in the church. They've never vocalized it, but just from little things. Um, I think sometimes it's, it's, we, we move slow. Why don't we move a little bit faster? And hey, come on, Aaron. Let's go. Yeah, c- come on. And, and I say, and I come back with, um, do we believe in God's timing or not? And when we have, when I, when the elders, when me, uh, when we have peace about something, the vote doesn't take very long to do, but we definitely won't vote on something until we know we have peace about it. Um, and I've had frustrations over the years with that. Cause there's been times I'm like, I know where we need to, what we need to do. I really believe this is what God's doing, but God taught me in those situations yeah, Aaron, but it's not all about you. You need to understand that I need to bring these guys along too in these areas. And so um, a lot of it is patience, maturity, wisdom, prayer, seeking scripture. Um, those are the things that those are the things that we do on a regular basis when there's disagreements um, in the in the elder room. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a difficult situation when you have disagreements, especially theologically, but I'm glad to hear, Grace, for you, the elders have not had to go through many, many of those situations of massive disagreements. You know, obviously, with with a, a when you have several different men in a room, you're going to have different perspectives. I mean, through this pandemic, I'm sure you've had different perspectives on this. Oh, yeah. On the elder board. And that's totally cool. I mean, everyone's going to have their own. I mean, look, you go to social media, you'll see everybody has their own take. And um, I don't know, like, I personally, I'm like, look, I don't know what the right answer is with the whole pandemic. Like, I know that I want people to have food and I don't want them to starve to death. So I want mm-hmm. the economy to, to eventually open right. back up. I don't want us to be in a great depression, but I don't want people to die from this, uh, this, this pandemic. And I know yeah. it's, I do believe it's serious to an extent. Um, I don't know how serious it is really. Cause there's so many, there's so many numbers. I'm like, God, I don't know what to believe, you know? Yeah. It's no, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. There's a, there's a, there's a, it's, it's like anything though. There's a, there's a position. um, There's a, there's always a position that you're going to disagree with. And there's always a position that you're going to agree with no matter what. And you can find all the resources in the world online to support your position and why you disagree with the other. And so it's, it's a lot of, as Christians, we don't source those things as our primary. We source God's word as a primary. And so that's what through this pandemic, when we've had disagreements on things, we've really had to go back to, um, okay, what are the foundational things that God's word says and let's live there. And the other things let's give grace to, because we don't, we don't, we're not smart enough to be able to say we know it all. Right. Well, I, I thought you knew it all, but I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I've let you down. I'm sorry about that. I'm a little crushed. I have to go back to, hey, Amy, we need to find a new church. <laughs> <laughs> Our pastor doesn't know everything. <laughs> you know, we're going to be in a bind. <laughs> no, I don't know everything. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. Um, so your sermons are, you know, I remember when we've talked, like we talked uh, earlier on when mm-hmm. we first arrived at Graceview and I was like, I just, I can't, I couldn't figure out what your preaching style really is exactly. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's not strictly expositional, like in the like or text driven sense, like 
mm-hmm. southwestern style no, you know no, which is not. good i like i like it but mm-hmm. you know uh yours isn't that and i and I, I do love your preaching uh but you know can you get, kind of explain how you maybe developed your preaching over the years in that way because i try to figure it out yeah yeah um when i was a youth pastor i didn't know any better and so i was a topical dude um from the word go um I would figure out, okay, what are some topics that teenagers need to hear? Um, what did the Bible say about those topics? And off we go. Um, and that's kind of what I, what I did. Um, I would also teach a Bible study on Sunday nights um, that sometimes was just kind of walking through a book, sometimes walking through a theological position, that kind of thing. Um, but it wasn't until um, I started listening to expositional sermons that I went, okay, that seems like a better way to do this. This, that seems to communicate God's word more clearly than, than I do, than, than I'm doing right now. And so I started to walk through expositional preaching uh, or work, work toward expositional preaching. I guess that's the best, better way to put it. Um, And so I started to just develop things, you know, and, and expositional preaching, you know, it, the main point of the text is the main point of the sermon. That's the definition of an exposition, expositional sermon. Um, you know, you'll hear guys say, well, expositional sermons aren't this, or expositional sermons aren't that. And um, while I agree with many of the things that they say, uh, sometimes the, the bottom line what makes an expositional sermon an expositional sermon gets lost in the gets lost in the weeds a little bit uh, when we try to define it so like this is it in this narrow scope and that's it um i get why they do it because they push back against um topical they get they push back against you know uh, making the text say something that it doesn't say i i get the reasoning behind it and i agree with the reasoning behind it um uh, but I think that if if you keep you know the main point of the text is the main point of the sermon um, in the forefront of your mind, you're not going to wander into those things as much. Yeah. Um, honestly, I strive to keep my preaching different. Um, like when I sit down with texts, I not only think about okay what is the main point of this text? I also think what is the best way to communicate this? Um, and then what is the best way to communicate this to my people? Um, so sometimes the main point is theological and it's something we need to know. And so I go, okay, this is going to bend itself a little bit more to a theological type of thing. So I need to be a little more technical. I need to, I need to push a little bit on terminology. I need to do those things. It's going to be a little bit more teaching of the text on the, on the front end. Um, Other weeks, the main point is very practical. Um, You know, like this last Sunday, you know, was, was God provides in all of life circumstances and through and in death. And, it was okay because of his provision. How are we supposed to live? And so this this last Sunday was a very, very much a what do you believe and how do you live because of what you believe. Um, and so I try to take the main point of the text, uh, or the main thought of the text, and work through through those things. And then as I'm working through those things, that's when I start to figure out okay, now I can work the shape of the text um, in in 
in how the text is presenting itself. So if it's a narrative, I'm going to work it one way. If it's poetry, I'm going to work it another. If it's, you know, uh, from the letters, I'm going to work it a different way, uh, wisdom a different way. And so there's, I, I take a lot of genre into how I structured those things. But one of the main things that I try to do on a weekly basis is one, I try to figure out what is the, what's the text saying? What's the main point? What is the, what is the, um, the aim of the author? Uh, because what I don't want to do is make the text say something that the author wasn't trying to say. Um, and so once I figure out that what the text, how it's structured, what the main point is, what the aim of the, the, the author is, and that main point and the aim go together, um, then I start to work through, okay, how do I commute? What is the, what is the theological or the timeless truth that this is working through? How does this point to the gospel um, and really work through those types of things? And so, um, yeah, I'm not, I, I, I'm not a text driven preacher in the classical sense. You know, I've read those books and um, I think there's been good, there's good things that are in them. Uh, but it just doesn't kind of fit the way that I'm wired um, and the way that I think um, in processing that stuff. Um, I'm definitely not the running commentary guy, you know, the, the John MacArthur guy who gets up and has a research team of five guys who hand him all the background and hand, hand him everything else. And he's able to just rip for 55 minutes um, on things. Uh, you know, I, I'm not, you know, you're, your Greg Groeschel or your, you know, those types of guys. And so you're not Stephen Furtick. No, I'm, not, I'm definitely not Stephen Furtick. All right. Well, that's, what I just wish I was good. cool. Like Stephen Furtick. I mean, Stephen Furtick is just, he's hip. Oh, I yeah. mean, you, you know, but I, I, man, I couldn't pull that off. I couldn't pull that off. I think the hip, I think the hippest that I could be was maybe like, you know, Mark Driscoll now. Where he wears a where he wears a vest and some jeans, you know. That's oh, about what I. That's about what I pull off. Just, uh, just the the, the um, style of clothing. Not yes, yeah, not anything else. Just the style. Just the style. That dude's hit, man. I don't. You can watch his videos. He he's sharp dressed. When um, I, yeah, that when that guy was like in his heyday. Oh, dude. I wasn't a. I wasn't reform. I wasn't a Calvinist or anything. I I I looked at him as like the Calvinist guy. You hated him, didn't you? I, I really did. Hey, I was so I was so anti-Calvinistic, like, but my my initial experiences with Calvinism were pretty bad. Like, I didn't know anything about it, and I just had some. Anyway, that's a different podcast. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, I I remember Driscoll and like thinking, man, this guy's you know he's he's crazy. He cusses in the pulpit and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, I've never heard you cuss in the pulpit. So nope, you know, nope, I haven't done that. Um, but that. yeah, to so I don't. To, to answer your question, I have no idea how to classify myself, right. um, but I do this. I strive to make the aim of the author's um, intent the main point of the sermon and theologically take that truth through the gospel to the people. And if I can do that, then I feel like I'm being faithful. And that's my, that's my bigger goal in anything is... I don't care if I hit a home run or if I hit a single, I just want to make sure that I'm faithful in what I'm doing. Because when I stand before God, um, that's what I'm going to have to answer for um, was the handling of his word. Um, not how hip I was or how cool I was or how flashy I was or how well I could turn a phrase or those kind of things. Um, 
Right. I just want to make sure I'm faithful. So that's right now at 43 years old, that's the, uh, that's the best that I can do um, in my process. I'm sure over the next 20 years, it's going to tweak and change more. But as of today, that's where I'm at. Right. I mean, I would definitely say it, you're expositional, I guess, you know, but not, you know, not, not in the um, text driven sense, but um, it's, I'd say, I mean, really just a lot of it has to do with your own personality, you know, the way you preach and just some guys, their personality is wired in a certain way where they're basically running commentaries, which I don't prefer that. Like, I, I think I like some of that aspect to it. Like I love that, the information and mm-hmm. the background of the text. I love that kind of stuff. I'm probably the only one that likes that. <laughs> you know, um, most people in your, you know, at Grace, you're probably not interested in that. Uh, I mean, maybe they are. I don't, um, yeah, I would say, I would say, um, you know, we have, we have a very diverse group of people. I mean, we've got, you know, seminary professors um, on one end who, know their stuff all the way down to, you know, the dude that, you know, is recently saved and is a welder and has no understanding of, you know, much of who Jesus is. Um, And so when I'm preparing to preach, um, that scope is pretty big. And so I have to go, okay, sometimes it's fun to give the background and the, and the, you know, get in the weeds with the details and that kind of stuff. Um, if I had a choice, that's probably where I would live. Um, but I know that's probably not what is best for our people. Um, and so I try to, like I said, I try to give um, the main point to the people the way that God is, is designed our congregation at this time. Yeah. So um, I know we talked about this a little bit already, but I kind of wanted to maybe, maybe flesh out just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so with this, the pandemic happening and yeah, all of that that's taken place, you know, how have, you know, how has ministry been maybe more encouraging or, you know, even if you want to go into the discouraging part, you're more than welcome to, but how has ministry, I guess, affected you personally? And, and how have you responded to that as, a, as an elder at, at Grace View? Um, yeah. No, I, I, I'm not going to speak for all the elders. Um, I can only speak for myself. Uh, but I can tell you the things that have been encouraging to me is coming back to the realization of what is the church and what are the foundations of the church and what God requires um, versus what are things that we do that are good and beneficial and should continue um, when they can. But at the end of the day, um, can be in that area of we can push pause on these things and um, we're not in sin as a church. Um, and so it's been encouraging to me to, to just kind of ecclesiologically just push pause and say, okay, what does God require of us um, as a church and how do we do those things well? Um, and we've been, we've done our best to do them well. I'm not saying there's probably areas that we could have done better. There's probably areas we could improve upon even now. Um, but we've done our best to, to to try to hold to the important things. Um, 
And uh, we've done it, you know, we've used a lot of technology. We've used a lot of phone calls, a lot of text messages. Uh, Zoom is all our friends, you know, right now during this yeah. time. Um, but we've, we've, but it comes back to the, the encouraging thing for me, if, if anything out of this is, is um, I know what the essentials are in a more convictional way than I did before. And those are non-negotiables. Um, where before I would say they were non-negotiables, um, but now my conviction of that is definitely stronger. You mind going into those a little bit, like what? what yeah, the, um, the, obviously the preaching and the teaching of the word. Um, that is that's a non-negotiable. Um, that needs to continue. Um, I believe personally that um, the main role of discipleship that a pastor has is in the pulpit. Um, he's going to he's going to disciple more people um, through his preaching than he ever would be able to uh, one-on-one, um, you know, and so, so the preaching of the word is, is necessary um, to grow the people, to, to, to equip the saints, to train them for ministry and to, to teach them doctrine. Um, so that's a non-negotiable um, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, we were talking about it before we started recording. You know, right. we do it. I'm not sure many people actually sang in their homes, um, but the point wasn't necessarily um, that everybody was responding. It was that we are doing what we are called to do, um, and the people on the other end have to uh, make their decisions. Um, and so uh, that's something that we've been doing. Um, being committed to prayer. Uh, this is something that that I've been doing um, a lot more, um, more in structured ways than I had before, where I've always been praying for prayer requests. I've always prayed for our people. Um, this is, I've been more diligent in structuring my prayer time um, for the members of Graceview uh, in a way that is probably better and we'll continue to do so out of this um so preaching of the word preaching teaching of the word um theological training um you know being able to pray for people um but also it's been encouraging to to be able to call people to obedience um you know that one of the things the way that we've done that in pastorally pastorally kind of helping people is through our pastor talk video that we do on Wednesdays. Um, some of the things we would do is we would look online and see kind of where the struggles were for that week, where the hot button things were. Um, and we'd be like, okay, let's take 20, 30 minutes and let's jump into this with our people and let's talk through it. And so um, sometimes those have been good. Sometimes they've been, they could have been better. Um, but they've been, I think they've been beneficial because they've allowed us to say, one of the non-negotiables of ministry is the training of people. Um, and we need to do that. And um, we need to do it in a way that, that reaches them where they're at and helps them think theologically through, through worldview things. So, so those are, I'd say probably the four things that, that I've worked through most over this time. Right. And I'm, I'm a top fan on the pastor's talk thing. You are, you are a top fan. You are. Me and Amy will like, we'll be working here in the in our office and uh we'll just put it on my bose speaker or whatever and we'll just listen to it and, awesome uh, 
uh, good times, but yeah, I, I enjoy it. Like, I don't, yeah, I, I think y'all should, I mean, I'll, I'll just say this. I think y'all should do a pot, like y'all should do like a weekly podcast. That's, <laughs> I, and I know like that's obviously not a priority. Like, right. I, th- I think it's something that's cool to do. Yeah. But, like you being a pastor, like, you know, if, I mean, if you could like split it up between you and Landon and maybe a few other people in the church, like you could, or, you know, a few elders, but you uh-huh. know, that's, you know, that, that's just a, yeah, we've, we've, we'll continue the pastor's talk Wednesday stuff. Um, even after the pandemic, we found that it's, it's been beneficial for our people and it gives us an opportunity. It gives us a platform to be able to speak into some things that, right. um, maybe we couldn't speak into clearly, um, in other avenues. Right. So, yeah, so we'll continue to do that. It's cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, before we, um, kind of close up here, do you have anything else you wanted to, to say? Um, any special announcements or something? Special <laughs> announcements. No, well, by the time this airs, our Ascension service is going to be done. That's tomorrow yeah. night. <laughs> um, so that wouldn't be an announcement. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think this is why Landon does announcements. I'm, I'm horrible. <laughs> yeah. I just have to, I just, I just, I just blankly stare out into the audience and be yeah. like, oh, I think I got it all. I'm not sure. Yeah. I was, I was really bummed to hear about student life being, being, uh, I think they canceled all of student life. I think I heard that correctly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I, I'm bummed about it. I really am, but I get it. Right. Um, you know, financially, if they got, if they got 50% of the students to come, which I think would be generous. Um, I don't think a lot of parents are ready to put their kids out. Oh, into you're right. No, that's, that. that's true. Um, so if they got 50% of the kids to show up, but they have financially 100% invested in it, um, they're going to lose money and they're going to lose money every time. Um, and the way that Lifeway has been structured for so many years financially, uh, they're not in a position to where they can take a monster hit. Um, and so I think it was wise for the long-term ministry. Um, it's a bummer in the short term, uh, but you know, I think it was wise in the, in the long term for Lifeway to say, you know what, we can sacrifice this one for the next 50. Um, yeah, you know, instead of basically taking it in the shorts to where we're going to have to climb out of a hole for a lot, a lot of years. Yeah. Y'all go to family camp every year at Glorietta. We do. Yeah. And it got canceled. So we're, we're bummed about that. That's something that, like I said, I grew up doing family camp and my kids, um, we even asked them this year when we were before all of this hit, because we were getting ready to start making the payments on it. We said, okay, we just want to make sure you guys want to do family camp and not, you know, go to, you know, wherever else, road trip, a cruise, whatever, you know, different type of vacation. And you would have thought that we were preaching heresy and the way that they responded, because they were just like, no, even Hayden at 16 years old was like, no, we're going to family camp. That's the best thing we do all year. And, um, and I agree with that. I just, it was just encouraging to me to see that they agreed with it too. Yeah. They still enjoy it. So. Oh man. They love it. It's a bump. They're, they're super bummed, but they understand. Right. There's always next year. I mean, yep. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, it, hopefully they'll be there hopefully. Won't be next year. Yeah. No doubt. Who knows what society will look out for, look out for this. Yeah. But yeah. No doubt. Anyway, well, thank you brother for, for coming on. I Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you having me, man. You saved the best for last. You did well, Jared. Good yeah, job. That's what I was thinking. See, you, you did it. well. You did. Oh, I I knew what you were doing. I was like, he's climbing the mountain. Exactly. Who's at the top? This guy. 
<laughs> now I got to see who am I got who got who I who do I have to go to next? I mean, Man, you, you better you better outside you better start getting outside of Graceview because there you 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 know you've yeah. you've, you've reached the pinnacle. Right. I'm just I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, I, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been fun and appreciate you and what you've Absolutely. done for, for Amy and I and and. Um, all the folks at Grace for you, I'm sure feel the same. So keep, keep, it up. keep up the good work. Well, thanks man. Love you guys. Yep. Love you too. Right. Uh, well guys, thank y'all so much for, for being uh, willing to, to listen to this episode with uh, pastor Aaron. Um, if you would, you can rate the episode if you want, if not, it's cool five too. stars, give five stars. Yeah. This, this one, you should give a five star rating, five stars. I don't know about the other ones, but, uh, yeah. Um, love the feedback, continue to bring that out, uh, the, the feedback and whatever else you want to share with me. But, uh, anyway, I hope you guys have a wonderful week. God bless.